Caldwell's with Mert. The one-stop Salonis shop for all things sales, product, customers, marketing, and more. What's going on? This is Call Blitz with Mert. You already know, no fluff. So we got an awesome episode today. Today we have Wes from the UK team talking about pitch structure. He is such a charismatic, funny guy. So I definitely wanted to get his perspective on how to bring his character and storytelling and value props, but in a very structured format that works best for everybody. So, you know, we'll go into three parts. Number one, structure of the pitch. Number two, how Wes is bringing in key value props. And number three is asking for the meeting several times after delivering value props. So, Wes, I appreciate it, man. How's it going? Yeah, Mert, we're all great over here, man. It's uh, lovely to be included on the show today, and I'm really happy to talk about what we're doing right at Salonis right now to pitch. Perfect, man. Yeah, you got it. So, let's start off the bat, man. The structure of the pitch and how it's helped you in your conversations. I mean, straight off the bat, I feel like the framework is perfect. Essentially, it's already taken away half the work you need to do when you start being a BDR. So I'll be completely honest. When I first started out, and I'm sure many other BBRs at Salonis and, and just in general felt the same, there's nothing worse than bringing a prospect, getting through and realizing you weren't entirely sure what you actually wanted to say. The only way I describe this is pretty awkward. Right. So straight up, by having this skeleton framework, you've, we've already got some of the most important aspects of the pitch. We've got the title of the prospects. We've got the references, which to me is completely key for a great pitch. And then also the business pains you want to address. And I really can't stress enough how half the battle is won here. No more scrabbling around, shuffling your feet, the next best relevant thing to say while you can feel your prospect ticking away, getting bored. You've got it there to hand and you're ready to execute. Awesome. So we, we know how it's structured, right? We know that the second a prospect is giving you an objection, we go into an objection handle, we go into a value prop and then we go for a close, right? Is there any stories that you have where the structure has helped you going around that triangle repeatedly to get a pretty high up person? Yeah, of course. I mean, even before we get into that, I think what you're right is so is so true. It's so right to objection handle first, then go to the value prop. Because what you're doing is the objection handle is alleviating your objections, but more importantly, it's buying you bit of, that bit of time with a prospect. You've given your great answer, you've brought the attention back to you. So when you're swinging back into that value prop, what you're really doing is just adding credibility to yourself and more importantly, Salonis. You can really feel the persona's demeanor change when you tell a great story in a really professional manner, which is very entirely relevant to you. So what I'd like to say is I think you go from being that random guy on the phone to someone who's educated with food users and back this up. And a really great example would be recently, I got through to a procurement uh, director at a company called Mace They're within the building um, scene. So anyway, he was completely adamant that they had this migrational gun and they couldn't possibly look into everything else. But by using the structure and swinging back around and bringing value every time, not just about his migration, but other areas within procurement and adding in stories and adding flavor and building up this picture of what Salonis can do just outside their migration to bring him a role. He went from less talking six months to getting a meeting in two weeks. And as far as I'm aware, it went uh, very successfully after that. That's awesome. And, and that's a good segue into our to our second topic, which is value props. I, I really think this is such an integral part of every pitch, right? You can handle the objection and go for the close every single time. But as you said, you are building very good credibility by adding stories, garden reports, all that fun stuff. I want to ask you, I mean, what are some of your favorite value props? How do you embed that into your pitches? 
Do you use Gartner a lot? Talk to me. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> this sounds pretty basic. I don't want to be that guy, but I love Vodafone. I think it's a beautiful use case. I think we've got some great numbers attached, but also a great story attached, you know, and it's hitting so many points people love right now. We're fully optimizing finance and everyone's about that right now. But also yeah, we talk, yeah, yeah. yeah, we talk about the standardization, taking best practices from one location and using that across their whole, uh, their whole structure. And I think when you couple that with these insanely crazy statistics we have, it really just can add value. And the way I see Vodafone is they're like an umbrella customer, you know? They, they essentially, they're showing what we do with one of the uh, most kind of pioneering companies out there. And they're such an advocate for us that it kind of goes two ways. So there's that side of it. But also, I really love our BP story. I think it's, again, fantastic. They're such a good referential customer, and they're so, you know, uh, so out there and known, and it adds a lot of weight. I was recently talking to someone at Rolls-Royce. Now, he was within procurement, and as he started talking to me about his pains, I could start to draw parallels between what we did at, um, Roll, uh, what we did at BP and what they wanted to achieve at Rolls-Royce. So as I started to talk to him about the picture, and this is the thing you've got to remember, you've got to find these use cases which you really enjoy and can tell in a really vivid way. I think that's one of the most important things. You need to be able to get that story, remember it, and say it with real confidence. Remember what Megan's taught you in her um, vocab courses and kind of go up and down with the story, paint them a great picture and get them excited. And as I was telling this, I could hear him open them up and open up, probing away, asking more questions. And that was a really great thing to come across. Are you, I, I know I personally am, um, I'm a, I love putting in Gartner mm -hmm. in every single pitch that I do. In fact, I use that as a way to get back into the pitch. If somebody asks for an email, I go, yeah, sure. I can send you over the Gartner report that names is now the clear market leader twice in a row. And then kind of go into more value props and go for clothes like that being like, Hey, we can talk more about that on a call next week when you have some time for 30 minutes. Do you use Gartner as well or how do you use it? I like Gartner. Um, Gartner for me is someone I use with people I see is maybe more techie because it's kind of a, okay. a nod to, to what they understand and, and what they like. Of course, it's fantastic. You know, Ben us down as a clear market leader. I think you're correct in saying it's a great way to objection handle because it really does alleviate any kind of concerns they may have about our credibility as a, not only a technology company, but our business performance company. Exactly. I mean, another good way I like doing it is um, talking about maybe kind of the co-innovation projects we run. Because again, I think this adds this real level of depth and people have a lot of excitement around, you know, when you say that we, we, work, point. we work with Siemens to kind of pioneer areas and help drive their business forward as well as our own. I think people take back and they notice that. Yeah, absolutely. I think the point of value props is credibility, right? We can handle the objection and go for the close, but the value props is really being like, hey, we are legitimately helping people. Here's an example. If you want external source, here's Gartner, here's HBR, here's our other press releases. You know, it, it's so important. And I think also one thing that I really like about how you pitch, Wes, is that you are really good at storytelling. Like, you're very, very good. You put a lot of emotions and effort into that. How important is storytelling as opposed to just being like, Siemens cut $20 million in less than a year when you have some time? I mean, storytelling's the key, right? <laughs> I mean, me, I, I haven't got many skills in life, but I like to talk. I like to tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> nah, dude, you, you're doing great. You're doing great. Well, I found my, I found my forte in a BDR role anyway. <laughs> but, you know, I think 
it's, it's a well-known fact that there's the three um, different ways of communicating. But not only that, they're really not going to remember what you say when you get off a phone. They're not doing what we're doing. They're not sitting there taking notes, qualified, and trying to take a lot away from a conversation. They're going to be thinking about how you came across. They're going to remember some high-level points, of course. But imagine 99.5% is going to get lost in translation. So that's why the way you tell the story, the confidence, the emotion, the, you know, emphasizing and inflicting the more important points is absolutely fantastic. The way I'd uh, like to give a little story around it, actually, is if anyone's a Quentin Tarantino fan, one of his earliest films was uh, Reservoir Dogs. Now, the main protagonist is trying to embed himself in a bank robbery firm. Now, as he's going undercover, he realizes that he has to become this character. And what comes with that is he needs to remember and tell this story about uh, a close encounter with police to basically take away anyone's concerns about his background and his credibility as a bank robber. But his partner is telling him it's not the story it's how you tell the story it's the pauses you know the smile and a laugh in a certain place and the pause uh, and the stopping for kind of in, in inflection and really driving the points home and i always love that i thought it was a great way of explaining it it's not the story you're telling it's how you're telling the story when i tell a story you, you really want the person to be like wow like that's very impactful right like these pauses the way you elaborate certain points. Like, for example, what I used to do a lot was someone was like, hey, you know, we have BI, we have consultants. I'm like, okay, great. Siemens had every tool under the sun. Consultants, BI tools. But with Solonis, they specifically found $20, $30 million of rework activity and eliminated it. Five years later, they cut a billion dollars. I mean, that's massive. And saying it like that is so key, right? As opposed to, they cut this much when you have some time. Exactly. And I mean, then the other day, they're going to be getting so many calls a day that if you're like the guy who stands out and comes in and tells a passionate story, you know, I was on the phone to somebody the other day and he said, look, I've got to admire your passion. And that is, again, that's, <laughs> that's enjoying what you're saying and delivering it in a yeah. great way. And, and you're going to be memorable rather than that guy who sits in reels of five statistics and asks for a 30 minute call. It's just not as impactful. Absolutely. Which is actually fantastic transition to our last talking point, which is about asking for it several times i mean look this is a topic that is tread lightly right we're not asking you to ask five times and and piss somebody off that's not the point at all but if you're coupling the value prop with a a very strong close you have a way stronger a way stronger yes rate so wes talk to me about closing why is that important how do you do it Again, this is this is pulling into bringing this value, and and this is what's going to set us apart from ninety five percent of the callers. So, when you first bring that value, you're earning the right to ask for them in again. And I'll admit, this can seem a little awkward when you first start on a roll, but it's really important to kind of keep yourself confident, keep your head up. And with every objection, you're demonstrating how we can help their business. And what's this going to do is, is it's going to give you a chance to tell more stories. And and people, not everyone's always going to be receptive, but I guarantee if you follow the structure of the pitch, objection handle and close, you will see the results. And the beauty of it is the more you do it, the more confident you're going to be doing it. So asking for the meeting, it's important to try and make it seem natural. And by bringing that violent, it's important because you're going to make it seem like it's almost mutually agreed to. So sometimes when you have a, a great call, we're going to suggest that you, um, you you actually go for a second meeting. But I, I would urge you to be a little bit creative with kind of how you ask to close this. So be open, not close. 
and then use uh, what times rather than do you have time, etc. But I mean, it's important to keep asking for this close because people are naturally kind of have it embedded in them to, to say no the first two or three times, maybe. They, they've, yeah. they've got this defense mechanism, as it were, as I'm sure you're aware. They have, they have a wall built up right away when you call them. Exactly, exactly. And by handling that in a professional manner, keeping ahead and keeping calm. This is where 95% of the people go say, okay, thanks, bye, and hang up the phone and probably not even bother to do a follow-up call. But by taking that, acknowledging the fact that they're, they're trying to give you an objection, bringing value and coming back to the close and opening again, every time you open them up to the fact that this is someone who's actually here to bring me value, he's got a real, real um, reason for calling me today, he's not here to waste my time, he's trying to open up a business opportunity and show me how he can help me do my role and my business do better. And I think once you desensitize yourself to getting over that and following the structure, it becomes really kind of natural and actually does follow the natural way of a conversation anyway. Yeah, absolutely. I think that there's one thing that you really said that's important in there is that if you are putting in a value prop and then going for the close, it should sound natural, right? Like you've earned the right to go for that ask. And very important, it's psychologically like these guys have a wall up when they hear naturally when you have some time this week, next week, whatever. But if you push past the three or four ask point and ask for it, you know, more than that, with, of course, without annoying them or disrupting a follow-up call, it does help a lot. Yeah, without a shadow of doubt. Um, I mean, it's it's just, you've got to make it seem conversational, make it seem natural, and make sure you bring this value every time. And, and I think by the time you've done that three times, they're starting to see the value in themselves anyway, and they're probably more than happy to actually put some allotted timing to talk this through further. And then it's also important to, like, vary up the closes, right? You don't want to keep being like, when you have some time, when you have some time. We need some time, but there's different iterations. I like a couple of times that you said, you know, before this call, you were talking about, hey, like, look, we have something on the calendar for next week between Tuesday and Thursday, which time slot works best for you for a quick call, whatever it is. I mean, varying it up is also very important, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, definitely. Um, what, what I've started trying to use recently is when they've rebuked me once, maybe twice, we've probably been on the phone them for about eight, nine minutes. And by that time, I've probably brought them value a couple of times anyway. They're starting to see the relevance. And I'll be like, hey, look, you know, Fred, I'm really conscious of the fact that I haven't scheduled any time for a call today. And we've been on the phone for, you know, around about 10 minutes now. So look, why don't we continue this next Wednesday at 2 p.m.? We can get 40 minutes in. We can go over all the points you're talking about. And I can give you a bit of demonstration at the same time. How are you for that? And it's a lot more natural. It's a lot more uh, informal. Wes, I appreciate it, man. This has been a fantastic conversation, talking points and, and value props. It's been awesome talking to you about this. Um, before we let you go, I do want to ask you, what is one key takeaway that any BDR listening right now should take away from this call? I would say just, you know, start to learn your script. I would say it's really important to put it in your own words. Just because you have a pre-written script there, which you fill in, make that your own natural language. The point is you don't want to be looking at this every time. You want this to be able to roll off the tip of your tongue and you're saying it like you're calling a friend. And that is what's going to make you really different. You're calm, you're natural, and it's and it sounds real coming out of your mouth. Make it original to yourself and hit the key points. I keep reiterating this, that this is a skeleton and it's up to you to add the meat. If some words are more comfortable for you, take the time to make it your own. As long as you are able to, you know, standardize it for yourself repeatedly and find success, A-B testing it back and forth, that's what's important. Thank you so much, man. This has been fantastic. This is Call Blitz with Mertz. See you next time, everybody.